This is The Guardian. Today, why are so many children refusing to go to school? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Growing up, Adia was a star pupil. Her mum, Ivana, says that she was a happy, easy child. She loved school. She was very academic. She was asking me to give her homework. She was loved by all the students and all the teacher. It was like my second home. I always wanted to get there early and like leave as late as I could. I enjoyed the work because there was like less pressure. It was more about like learning than actually getting good grades. And you felt safe and comfortable. Moving from primary to secondary school felt like a huge transition. But back in 2019, Adia was enthusiastic. She really did like school. I was very excited to go. I wanted to see what it would be like, like a new start. Didn't find anything challenging at the beginning. I really enjoyed it. And then COVID happened. We'd go to school for a few months and then we'd have lockdown and then go back in. I think it made it very hard for the kids to get to know each other, to learn how to be with each other. Year eight is when the problems start to come up. I started to get bullied in year eight, so that's when I stopped enjoying school. It was verbal bullying. They would always pick on me about like my hair and make like rude comments. I didn't tell anyone. I kept it to myself for a while, and then. My parents could see that I was quite unhappy, so then they asked me and I told them. Adia has dual heritage. Her mum is from Italy and her dad is half Greek and half Kenyan. Possibly made her feel an outsider as well, because at that age you just want to be part of a group. She often used to say to me, I'm alone, even when I'm with people. She started avoiding lessons. She ended up missing a huge chunk of the whole school year. Adia is now 15 and a year out from sitting her GCSEs. I would just feel like heavy and I didn't want to do anything. Sometimes I would go and just sit somewhere in the school alone and then sometimes I would leave just in the middle of the day or I would just sit somewhere in the school and not go to my lessons and then come home and do nothing. I wasn't happy with who I was as a person, the way I looked. I wouldn't say I had any, like, close friends last year. I was just not happy. Adia isn't alone in the way that she's been feeling. More than 1.7 million schoolchildren in England and Wales aren't in school 10% of the time. That has gone up 108% since COVID. 
The Department of Education revealed that 94,000 children were completely missing from classrooms in the 2021-2022 academic year. Just what is going on? From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus, what can schools and parents do with kids who opt out of education? Ivana, what was your instinct as a mum? Did you try and make Adia go to school or did you want to protect her and try and keep her at home? I think as a parent, you never know what is the right things to do, yeah? You always have mm. a question mark. You do what you think is best. I did push her. So in the morning, every time it was a struggle. But mm. I used to get her up, do her hair, put the shoes. She was crying, but I was trying to talk to her and tell her, you need to keep going because from my point of view, if you stay in, you just go deeper in the hole and then it gets harder. I used to bring her to school every morning and mm-hmm. every morning she was leaving the car crying. I was just scared because I know people where the kids are staying at home and they're not going anywhere. And I didn't want her to get there. How did you as a parent work out what might be problems that aren't regular teenage growing pains and those problems that actually needed much more serious support. I think when I saw that she didn't want to go out anymore, so she didn't want to meet friends, she didn't want to do sleepover, that is when I thought, okay, this is not just a teenager. Because usually you still want to have fun. You may don't want to go to school, but you still want to meet your friends on a Saturday. Or, But when she didn't want to do that, or she tried and then she called me that she just wanted to come home. What impact has all of this had on the family? It was very hard. It put a strain on my relationship as well with my husband, which is her stepdad. I felt like I was not giving the right attention to my little boy as well because my brain and my mind, it was all focused on her. I think there should be a support for parents to help Mm. you out. On her, she lost what is supposed to be the best year of Someone like, for me at least, they were the good years. It's the time that you are out and you have fun, you have your first boyfriend and first kids and all this. I'm just sad that she didn't have that. How did the school respond to the situation? I think we've been lucky because Adia had Palladi that stays at the school and kids can go and talk when they have mental problems. She had a quite a good connection with that. Also, she had like 10 sessions with a psychologist inside the school. It's not easy because it's not only Adia having this problem. There are a lot of students, a lot of kids that are in the same situation. And I don't think the school have the resource and the school are are not prepared for it. Ivana, it must be so difficult as a parent. But the statistics show that there are a lot of kids like Adia who don't want to be in the classroom and don't want to learn in that environment. What do you think schools should be doing? One thing I think the school are lacking and they, they need to change is they are concentrated on the wrong aspect right now. Maybe they want to have uh, pink hair and they're not allowed. I understand that when you go to school, you need to have certain rules, but those kids are coming from COVID. They're coming yeah. from a period where everything was rules, 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 rules. And I think if the school actually start to give them a bit of freedom, the student will respond with more respect I always think it's like when you have a dog. If you keep her very tight with your lead, they're going to strangle themselves or they're going to break free and run away. So they need to choose the battles. 
Richard Adams, you're the education editor at The Guardian and you've been covering the drop in school attendance. What sort of numbers are we actually looking at here? Well, up until autumn, uh, according to the government figures, 24% of children were persistently absent this year. And we understand it's got worse. The latest data shows that about 27% of pupils are missing about 10% of school time in state secondary schools so far this year. And we've seen figures that show that one in 10 people studying for the GCSEs this year have been absent from schools in England every day. And that rate is about 70% higher than it was before the pandemic. Well, when I first came across this story, I was reading about the school refuser movement. And in my head, I just imagined a bunch of surly, punky kids who've just opted not to go to class. But that's not quite right, is it? That might be a small part of it. But if we were looking for sort of overarching themes, I would say there's a couple. One is that the role of health and illness and well-being in many senses, with physical and mental, have come to the fore. The other is what, interestingly enough, Amanda Spielman, the head of Ofsted, said recently that there'd been a breakdown of the social contract between schools and parents. The implicit idea that a child should be in school unless absolutely necessary. And I think that that is the principle that's been eroded. Well, when I speak to parents whose children aren't going to school or have decided that it isn't for them, mental health comes up quite a bit. And when I was reporting at The Observer, there's lots of evidence about mental health outcomes for children and teenagers during the pandemic becoming a lot worse, that there was an epidemic in anxiety and depression looming. Richard, would you say that is where we are now? I definitely think there's an element from the head teachers and teachers that I've spoken to they all raise the issue of mental health and anxiety playing a much bigger role. I know one head teacher I spoke to who they've hired more support officers and they've developed programs to encourage anxious children to return to school and they've often allowed them to attend school on a part-time basis. This was something that schools were starting to do on an increasing basis to the point where the Department for Education began to be concerned. And in late last year, they issued a new set of regulations, which made it very clear that part-time timetables were only to be used on a temporary basis as a way of reintegrating pupils who had health conditions back into school, that they were not to be used for behaviour issues. must be pretty hard to determine one way or the other. it it is very difficult. As a result, there's been quite a drop-off in the the use of part-time timetabling or it has kind of made it a bit difficult for head teachers to be able to use this as an option. But nonetheless, it is something that we're seeing in increasing amounts. So what might be the other reasons for all the tens of thousands of pupils who are missing from the school system? Things like homeschooling, and there are some other mechanisms within schools that don't help, like some schools in recent years have been quite keen to do what they call off-rolling pupils, which is Although technically illegal, it's where they convince a parent to to remove the child from a school for various reasons. The older children get the more agency they have themselves. And one head teacher put it to me that they have seen something unusual since COVID, what they call internal absences. This is in a secondary school, which was students who didn't like a particular class. They'd be in school and they'd be marked as being present, but they weren't going to some classes and going and hiding somewhere inside the school. 
And so they'd started up patrolling the school to look in places where they might be hiding. Similarly, when I was old enough to be at school, it was pretty boring being at home because there was nothing to do. There was daytime TV and that was pretty dire. Whereas now they've got games consoles, they've got obviously the internet, and they can stay in touch with their friends. So if you were deliberately absenting yourself from school, you were cutting yourself off from your friends. But with phones, you're not. Richard, you describe a really complicated picture here. There isn't one clear-cut reason or solution to the problem of children missing so much school. How did we get here? I do want to say that overall, England has a pretty good track record in terms of pupil attendance at school. And I don't think we should overstate that. And one of the reasons why this is obviously a problem now is that school attendance was at a relatively high level of about... 95 to 96% nationally. A great effort was put into encouraging parents to have their children in school for their own good. And that that had been a very successful effort. And that lasted up until about March 2020. Previously, head teachers had had the ability to grant a couple of weeks authorised leave for families wanting to go on holidays. The DfE told them to stop it. But nonetheless, there are still large numbers of families who are prepared to take their children out of school for quite long periods of time and to take them on holiday and save considerable amounts of money in doing so, so much so that they don't even mind paying the fine because the fine turns out to be a very small percentage of what they're saving by going out of term time. Richard, you've been on the education beat for many years now. How big a crisis do you think this current moment is for schools and how are they coping? Well, schools have a lot of problems at the moment and this is one of them. It's unfortunate that it's happened at the same time as, as the other problems, the main one being funding and teacher retention. I think they've done a magnificent job in getting things back to normal, but this has been another obstacle for them. So to see schools having to hire attendance officers School budgets are pretty tight as it is, and this is money that could have been spent elsewhere. So it's a shame that they have to do that. I think there are wider issues about the relationship between parents and schools. Parents are more willing to question things that schools are asking them to do. And one of those things is to ensure that their child is in school. Richard, you mentioned there the notion of attendance officers being employed by schools. You've been out and about with some of them. Can you tell us exactly what they do? So now that schools are trying to tackle attendance problems, they've had to hire their own staff to do that. And they're particularly zero in on cases where a pupil is absent without any reason or for an inadequate reason. And they had a rule at the one I was visiting where if they had for two days in a row, if they'd had a child absent with no explanation given or for an inadequate explanation, they would go round to their house. So for example... They'd had a child who was out of school for two days. They'd rung the parents. The reply they had got, calling a mobile phone, was an overseas dialing tone. This immediately concerned them because not only was the child not in school, but the parent appeared to be overseas. So they went round to the house to knock on the door just at the point the family arrived in a car, having got off a ferry from France. Right. 
And they were like, oh, we're so sorry. Oh, well, we forgot the phone didn't work and we couldn't. Yes, 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 they'll be back in school tomorrow. And so that was fine. But that gives you an example of the sort of level of detail that they're working mm. in because they have those two issues. One is safeguarding if a child is absent without reason. And the other one is to make sure that they're back in school. And what have teachers been telling you about the impact of mass low attendance and what impact that is having on their classrooms and their teaching? So at times when there have been illnesses going around in a class and you'll have a few children off and then you'll have lots of other children being off because the parents are afraid that their kids will get these things. And apparently uh, Fridays were particularly bad for this. I remember one teacher telling me, yes, you know, come in on a Thursday or Friday and instead of 30 kids, there'd be 10 wow. or five. Suddenly half the class is not there. What do you do? Well, what do they do? Well, some schools did what they did during COVID. So they would email the parents with, this is the work we're doing today. And one head teacher told me they stopped doing that because what they found was the parents were ringing up and saying, oh, we want to keep them at home today. Can you send us to school? Right, work? okay. They said, actually, it so was... making it worse. It was giving them permission. Right. So they stopped doing it and said, no, if your child is well enough to learn and isn't physically and difficulties, then they should come into school. Coming up, how do you get a child back into school? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Jason Malikarachi, you're the Education Welfare Officer at Vantage, which is a trust of schools in the east of England. 
The government statistics show that 24% of school children were persistently absent in the last autumn term. Have you noticed that kind of rise in absences in your schools? Absolutely. There's a massive increase. Some of the schools have, I wouldn't say doubled, but nearly enough. And I think following COVID, there has been a huge increase in the primary sector and also in the secondary sector. How long have you been doing this job for and how much has it changed in the time that you've been doing it? Now, I started this job in 2007. There have been massive changes since then. And I think there's a lot of anxiety around after COVID. The families say to me they can't get out of the lockdown period. There's no motivation. They don't think about the future. And I think to me, this is much more bigger than a couple of terms. This is going to take a long time to recover. And it's going to be very, very challenging for schools, challenging for myself. It's going to be a long process. Jason, what do you most commonly hear from children? What do they say to you and about their reasons for not wanting to go to school? And are you ever shocked or taken aback? Even recently, children have said that there's problems at home between mum and dad. There's no money. We are struggling. I got no clothes. I've got no transport. I walk 20, 30 minutes to school. I'm getting bullied constantly. I struggle to understand what the teacher is saying because I don't have those relationships with those teachers. I don't know how to understand what they want. Do you believe that you have seen a rise of anxiety in the young people that you work with? Absolutely. Last couple of years have been very, very challenging for young people. And I think young people feel that their voices are not heard. And I think they have gathered the fact that there is no support out there for them. And I know schools are doing extremely hard, hard work. The pastoral teams, the schools I work in, have been absolutely fantastic in sort of understanding what the young person feels. But I feel like schools can only do certain things. They can't medically assess a child's psychological well-being. They have to refer to other agencies. But when you refer to other agencies, you've got a waiting list. I worked with a child yesterday. And we referred the child to an agency for support for mental health and anxiety. And there's a waiting list of 12 weeks. I could see the face of the child. And it was very sad to see that, you know, it was like, oh, I can't wait three months. I need help now. But what am I supposed to say as an educational officer? Well, this is all we got. So this is a big problem we're in, that there's no resources or there's no agencies for those children to get that support. Can you break down some of the other key reasons that you think kids might be missing from school? Are there any other reoccurring issues? I was working with a parent and she lost her job and she started to do her own business and she's working from home. She thinks it was okay, COVID time, to be at home. What's the difference now? So children seem to think if my mom and dad says it's okay to be home and they're working from home, it's okay for me to do it. So I think it's a lot of the trust has gone with the education system as well. We have kids who have had great attendance, have fallen through completely. And that is because of parents working from home and thinking that you don't need to be in school. Jason, are you particularly worried about the impact this has long term on the children that you work with? I'm greatly worried. I worked um, in this sector for a long time. And I was working with a 15-year-old last week and the aspirations when I asked the young person about well, what's your future like? What do you want to become? And he said, nothing. I said, why? Because I've got no hope. I've got 50% attendance. I haven't learned. I haven't been in school. 
So who's going to employ me? I feel like we have failed some of these kids. I don't know what the future is going to be. Jason, what does a win look like for you in your job day to day? If I can change one person's life or one person's thought or one family's way of thinking around, let's be positive, let's try, let's not give up. It can be resolved. It can be turned around. I would say to the families, get the support when they need that support and work with us. Richard, is there a chance that what we're seeing now could be a generational blip? We're talking about, you know, a whole cohort of pupils, several million who are affected. That's a pretty big blip. I think the hardest parts of the job has been done. And so we're seeing, especially in primary schools, attendance levels return to where they were prior to COVID. But I think there's going to be a few percentage of pupils that this is going to be a problem. And that's just going to be a problem because of mental health and physical health and a breakdown in parental relationships with the school. And that could persist for several years. And what gives the education sector hope that things will get better? There is evidence that in the past that has been possible to have long-term improvement. But I think until there's improvement in underlying social conditions and economic conditions, those things will always be barriers. So to the extent that they are there, then attendance is going to be a problem. Ivana, how are Adia's days panning out now? What does the week look like? Now is better. Now is better. So last year we started the horse riding. I spoke to other people and they say it actually helped and it did help a lot. She now started to go out with friends as well. She still got some problem to go to school, especially certain lessons. But she goes to school Monday, Wednesday and Friday and she does the normal class. On Tuesday and Thursday she goes into town and there is a, a course on mental health. She's been doing that for three weeks now she's enjoying it and the fact that she's going up somewhere else instead of school as well and is breaking the routine a bit giving a bit of independence i think now when she see in the future she sees something i do have a more happier view on life than i did last year like i do look forward to things and i do want to do well in life but i just dislike school she decided that she wants to become a psychologist and she wants to be a children psychologist. I want to help children, especially, who like struggle in their life. I just want to be able to help them in any way I can. We had a nice summer last year. Went to Italy and Greece. It's my favourite time of the year. I get to kind of like disconnect from my life here because I can be more myself because no one knows me there. I'm definitely more confident with myself and who I am. Adia, what would you tell teenagers who are in the same situation that you were and who feel bad about themselves and don't want to go to school? I would say you have to find a person that you can trust and that they will be there with you through the whole thing. And it's going to be hard and you've got to keep pushing through. But once you start, it all just falls back into place and things get easier. That was Adia, Ivana, 
Education Welfare Officer Jason Malakarachi and The Guardian's Education Editor Richard Adams. My thanks to all of them. You can read more on this story and catch up with Richard's reporting at theguardian.com forward slash education forward slash school hyphen attendance hyphen and hyphen absence. If you have been affected by this story, if you're worried and finding it hard to cope, there is help available. In the UK and Ireland, Samaritans can be contacted on 116 123 or by emailing joe at samaritans.org or joe at samaritans.ie. One more thing, Guardian Masterclasses are running an online writer's retreat this summer with fiction authors and experts. You can sign up now and get 10% off by entering the code WRITERS10 at theguardian.com forward slash retreat hyphen masterclass. And that's it for today. I'm Nosheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by George McDonough. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo, and the executive producer was Huma Khalili. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.